0: From the book of Genesis, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Is this too loud? Okay, good. It's loud for me, it's resonating around in my brain. I want to start this morning with our, our question, and it's an, a real one Have you ever been alone? Of course it's a rhetorical question. We've all been alone, but I want to draw your attention to one important detail that we don't just think about ordinarily, and that there's a difference difference between being alone and being lonely. I mean, give you an example. You could be at a you ever been to a cocktail party, this happened to me not too long ago actually. At a cocktail party or a dinner party, and you walk in, there's a room of fifty people in there, you don't know anybody, right? (laughs) You're certainly not alone, but you are lonely in, in one sense of the word. Even in a crowded room, it's possible to be alone. But being lonely, being lonely is about isolation. Being lonely is about isolation. Some of you, in fact, many of you, have been wrestling with this very thing, with this coronavirus and now this massive hurricane, which has closed down Vera Beach, he said sarcastically. (laughs) Uh, But we're all home, we're all hunkered down, right? I mean, we are all kind of wrestling with this idea of being alone. But I want to challenge you with something this morning. That being alone can be an awfully productive, productive and godly time of life. When, and let me ask you a question. When was the last time, and it's a real question, when was the last time that you spent time alone with God? And if you've ever done it, and really done it, it's not always a pleasant experience, is it? Because when you spend time alone with God, when you actually put away the social media and the Facebook and the Twitter and all the other things that we use to distract ourselves, the worry channel, I'm calling the weather channel the worry channel from now on, I've decided to rename it. When you put all that stuff aside, you know, when you're confronted with the existential crisis of your own being, it's not always a comfortable feeling, and it shouldn't be. I'm convinced that a lot of our social media today, a lot of our craving for, you know, 24-7 news media is really just an effort in distraction. It's distraction from the obvious question, the existential question we all have. And I want to look today at this idea of being alone in another case study of a guy we've been tracking for the past couple of weeks, this guy named Jacob, right? And his time alone with God, and to be perfectly blunt, it's not pretty. It's not comfortable for Jacob, but it does change him. It does change him permanently for good. So I want to look at this idea of being alone with God and the, the struggle and the embrace. Those are my two points. This idea of being in time alone with God as a fight, literally, or a wrestle, and then the embrace. So before we get to this idea of God and Jacob wrestling, which is what this word means here, this text this morning, before we get to the fight between God and Jacob, let's, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, right? And let's just, I'm just going to say this, that, you know, the dude had it coming, right? Jacob, we've been, we've been watching this guy, this rascal Jacob for the past several weeks. He's an opportunist. He's a deceiver. He's a narcissist. He's managed to alienate his father, his father-in-law, his brother who wants to kill him, literally. I'll get to that in a second. So Jacob basically has lied, cheated, and stealed everybody he's come into contact with. The guy is a swindler. The guy is a narcissist. The guy is, you ever met someone like him? I have. Oh, yes, we all have. He had it coming. And I will tell you, in a way, it's kind of a satisfying feeling, isn't it? Even his name, Jacob, means he who grabs the heel, which sounds funny. But the idea, the context is if you're, uh, if you're somebody who grabs a heel, picture that you're in a race next to somebody and you're running and they're about to beat you, right? And you're running next to them and you're in a race and you reach down and you grab their heel and flick it and they trip. That's what it means, right? Jacob is a, a guy who will do anything he has to do to get his way. So let's look at this fight that changes him. Let me look at this, this wrestling match between God and Jacob. A little bit of a backstory in case you don't know it. Uh, we didn't read about this this morning, but Jacob has got word that his brother Esau is coming for him with 400 men, and Esau is going to kill him and kill him gladly. As you know, Jacob had deceived his brother two times, he uh, stole his birthright from him, tricked him, right? Jacob tricked Esau. Then in the second go-around, Jacob puts fur on his back and pretends he's his brother Esau, and his dad gives him the blessing, of his, of the blessing, the father's blessing. So two times Jacob has deceived Esau, and Esau is angry, and Esau says, I'm going to kill that guy. Thirty years have passed, and Esau's finally going to get Jacob and take care of business. And so we read from today. That's the backstory. From today, we read Jacob is sending his family and his caravans and his slaves up ahead of him. You think, well, why is he doing that? Well, again, Jacob is out for Jacob, right? And so what he's doing is he's sending his wives and his children and all of his money ahead of him, like a human shield, right? Basically, figuring he can maybe maybe he can assuage Esau's violence and, and vengeance with his own family, which is pretty despicable. But if you think about it, people sacrifice their families for success all the time. But the money number, the money, so Jacob sends everybody ahead of himself as Esau is coming towards him. And then we read in verse 24, you know, in my opinion, one of the most profound sentences of the entire Old Testament. Look at it if you want. It says, in verse 24, Jacob, it says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Just stop there. Jacob doesn't know it yet. He says it in a second. He calls the place Paniel, which means I've seen God but he doesn't know it's God yet. He assumes just some guy who's, I don't know, a marauder or something in the desert. But God, Jacob does not know that this man, in fact, is God. In fact, many people would argue, if you look at the church fathers, that this man who wrestles with Jacob in the Old Testament is God, and in fact, maybe even a, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, kind of like Melchizedek. That's another thread. But the idea is that Jacob and God are wrestling. And in any, in any case, this wrestling match, this meeting with, with God, with Jesus, is not a fun experience. It's literally to, the word there to wrestle means to grapple, it's like to grab somebody and throw them to the ground, right? This is not a, this is not a walk on the beach with Jesus, right? This is a, this is a cage match, man. This is a knockdown, down, drag out brawl. And the, the, underlying thread is, all right, Jacob, all right, Jacob, if you're God speaking to him, who's going to be your center? Who is going to be your God? The battle, if you read it again, the battle rages all night long. Finally, and not surprisingly, God wins. You know, a little hint here, uh, God always wins. He is God, so he has a distinct advantage over you or me or Jacob. God wins. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever wrestled with God? Think about it. It's it's a really, really profound question. Have you ever wrestled with God? Are you wrestling with God even now? Where has God used a crisis in your own life or someone around you to wake you up, to get your attention, to refocus your entire being on him, to take the focus off of you and put it back on him where it belongs? you've all done it. God has wrestled with every single one of us. Maybe he's wrestling with you right now. And it sounds strange to say that God wrestles with us, that God takes us to the mat. It might sound like kind of cruel, right, or like an unfair fight, but let me just challenge you with something really important to realize, That, that we only wrestle with people whom we love. We only ever strive with people that we love. I mean, think about it. If you were to go to Publix today, you're not going to go to Publix and give Mary, the checker at Publix, a hard time for forgetting your birthday, right? You don't care about Mary at Publix. I mean, any more than her just doing your order for you. No, man. We argue with the people that we are closest to. The people with whom we wrestle are the ones who are closest to us, our children, our spouses, our friends, our family members. And we wrestle with them not because we don't love them, you see, but because we do. We wrestle with them because we are invested in them. And I'll, I'll ask you this. It's a rhetorical question. Well, not really rhetorical, but it's an obvious one. Does anybody here have children, right? Anybody here have kids or, know, or have ever seen one, right? Everybody here have wrestled with your children? Maybe literally, maybe figuratively. it's not because you don't love them that you wrestle with them. It's because you do. You wrestle with your family, with your children, with your loved ones because you love them. And that's precisely why God wrestles with you and with Jacob. It's not because he doesn't love them or us or him, but because he does. He wants you and I to stop doing the things we are doing that are self-destructive, that are self-deceptive, and repent and return to him, to come back to him and make him your focus and not yourself. That's what's going on with Jacob here. That's the behind this wrestling match with him and with you. So back to Jacob. We see God is wrestling with Jacob all night, and God actually finally puts the smack down on him, hits him in the hip, probably Anyway, it's another whole thread. And then God changes his name. This is really, really cool. First time I heard this, I thought this was awesome. God changes his name from Jacob, Jacob, grabs the heel. He changes his name to Israel, Israel, we would say. The word E-L on the end of a word means God in Hebrew. So Israel means he who wrestles with God. So God, Jacob wrestles with God. God knocks him down. Finally, you know, Jacob says, uncle... And then God says, I'm changing your name, Jacob, from deceiver and liar and narcissist to he who wrestles with me. And, you know, what I take great comfort in is, if you think through this a minute, Jacob becomes, becomes, his name is changed to Israel. He has 12 sons who become the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, who are later known as Israelites. And the point I want you to see here, I think it's just cool, is that God actually names his people. God names his people. God names us, those who wrestle with me. Isn't it interesting that God names his people those who wrestle with me? Not those who serve me, those who bow down five times a day in repetitive prayer, those who say nice things about me. No way, man. God is not that far away. He says, no, man, I name my people those people who wrestle with me. I take great comfort in that, personally, I'll tell you, because like you, I've wrestled with God many times in my life, many, many times. When I have lost my focus on him, didn't mean to, kind of life gets in the way, you know, you get distracted, you get deceived, you get fooled, but I've wrestled with God, and you have too, and we see this idea of, I take great comfort to know that when God wrestles with me, it's not because he doesn't love me, you see, but because he does, we see, so we see God's confrontation with Jacob, his wrestling with him and you. And the second thing we see then is, is, after the fight, the second point is the cling. Look at this. Jacob loses the fight with God, right God always wins, man. Jacob loses the fight with God, but then the question is, is or does he? Look again at this text. It's very, if you want to read it again, it happens quickly, but you see it. Jacob is defeated by God, right? He is knocked down, his hip is dislocated, and then Jacob, knowing he's been defeated, knowing that the game is over, he grabs on to the Lord, he hangs on to the man, and he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Listen to that. The guy's defeated, man. He is the, the heel grabber, the man who always gets his way, the man who can weasel his way out of anything, finally cries uncle. Finally, after 10 rounds with the Lord, he capitulates and he admits that God is more powerful than he is and he says, I will not let you go. Interestingly, Father Josh preached about this a couple of weeks ago. Jacob, same dude, He's, uh, he comes across Jacob's the ladder, right? The stairway to heaven. father talked about it in his sermon. And if you remember, Jacob has this experience with God on this ladder that goes up and down. And Jacob's like, man, this is really cool, man. God is so awesome, yeah. And God makes a, Jacob makes a vow to God, but listen to it. It's awfully, uh, awfully qualified. Listen to this. He says, if God will be with me and he will keep me in the way that I will go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear and give me peace, then he will be my God. There's five criteria there that Jacob says, God, if you be with me and keep me safe and give me food and shelter and and you make me successful, then you'll be my God. Five criteria. And you know what? We all do that. I do. God, if you'll just do this for me, then I'll worship you. God, if you'll just do this for me, then I'll really believe nonsense. Jacob now has that all stripped away, man. God knocks him down, and all he can do now, he's been, he's been so changed. All he can do is cling and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Friends, wrestling with God, suffering, it does that to us. Don't run from it. You can run, but you can't hide, as they say. Let me challenge you, don't run Because what suffering and wrestling with God does, it makes us realize all the stupid things that we cling to, all the stupid conditions we place on God, rather than just looking to him. When they all fall away, all you can do is cling to God, and all Jacob could do is cling to God, because guess what? That's all you've got. Here's a question. Do you cling to God, or do you have conditions? Because guess what? God's going to break you. God is going to put you to the mat, so that you will learn what you re- all you really need. All you really need is Him. You know, Mother Teresa, who you know, lady who knew a thing or two about wrestling with God. I should think. I mean, she's worked in the slums of Calcutta for years, and actually had a real crisis of faith later on in her life. You might not know that. Everyone thinks she was this very holy woman, which she was, but she wrestled with God. Man, read her memoirs; pretty hardcore stuff. But you know what she says at the end of her life? She says, "You know." When you realize that Jesus is all you have, you realize that Jesus is all you need. When you realize that Jesus is all you've got, man, you realize that that's really all you need. So the match is over. Jacob is broken, but who really wins here? Who really wins? You know, we don't read about it this morning, but if you keep going, pick up your Bible letter and keep going along, we read that Jacob and Esau actually do have a confrontation. So the next day, after his name, Jacob is, loses the match with God, Esau catches up with him, right? And so the, the, it, it's, it's, it's time, right? It's time for, the, for, the, for Jacob to be put down by Esau. But Jacob, when he meets his brother Esau, now his name is Israel, he bows down before him. He bows down. And Esau actually forgives him. And the reason is because Jacob doesn't know this yet. Jacob doesn't know it yet, but he will. That the man that he met, the man that he wrestled with that night, that man had a name, and his name is Jesus. Paul tells us in the epistle to the Philippians that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Friends, Life will only work when you are gloriously free from the idea that this life is about you, because it's not. It isn't about you. It's about Jesus working in, on, and through you. It's about Jesus who rescues us, who holds us up, who wrestles with us, but does so for our own good, just like he does with Jacob. Let me ask you a question as I wrap up here. Where are you wrestling with God even now? Don't run. Don't hide, because you can't. Let me challenge you instead to learn from it. To realize these are, that life is about testing, man. Life is oftentimes hard and struggle. But the thing is, you need to just admit something very simple. That you need a savior, and he's got a name. And his name is Jesus. And all he wants you to do is cling to him. Shall we pray, Father, remind us of the importance of being alone as uncomfortable as it is with you, of removing the distractions of our lives, to listen to you, to wrestle with you, to be relationally honest with you, to be changed. Remind us to cling to Jesus, the man who comes to us to save us. In his name we pray. Amen.